This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. I'd like to give special shout outs to my top tier patrons, David from Portland, Tom from Pancake Analytics, The Snorlaxian, Connor from Rock Pokemon, Mike, Night Knight, Hogan, Big No Face, and Matt from Ferraratron. I also can't forget today's episode was executive produced by Leo. Thank you so much for believing in me and backing the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support these episodes, become a patron. I have two tiers at $3 and $5 a month. Joining the first tier gives you exclusive access to patron posts and a vintage card from my collection signed by me. The $5 tier gives you access to everything you get in the $3 tier, along with also having access to our Discord community. It gives you the opportunity to talk to other collectors, discuss market performance and news, show off your mail days, and of course, ask questions. Whether you join or not though, I still appreciate you listening. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast where we apply financial and investing principles to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Fortnite, Magic the Gathering, video games, comic books, you name it, we talk about it all. And today, I am so happy for this guest. I wanted to bring on Tom from Pancake Analytics. He is a full-time data scientist and a full-time Pokemon collector, along with other collectibles and other hobby sectors, but anyways, I wanted to have him on because today for this episode, we talk about a lot of the data wrapped around in hobby collectibles. Part of this, well, actually probably a lot of this podcast gets a little bit technical, a little bit in the weeds of data, but there are, of course, a lot of gems that you can take out of this that make you a more data-informed collector so that you don't fall prey to bad data that kind of surrounds the hobby and whatnot. So this was just a really great conversation to have. Again, sometimes it gets a little bit technical, but you know, if you don't get too lost in the weeds, I promise that there will be something, there will obviously be some gems in here that I think you can take a lot of value out of. So so, uh, the other thing too, of course, is my little issue with the mic volume uh, jumping back and forth. It's a little bit of an issue here for this podcast. I apologize. I think I have figured out the solution in the recording process to never have this issue again. But anyways, I did do some mastering stuff to hopefully mitigate some of that, but I apologize in advance for the uncomfortableness that you might experience ever so often during this podcast. So I apologize, but it's getting better. I promise. Anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Tom. tell you what I've been observing from there and I've also tested it. Uh, so let's say you grade whatever card PSA get the 10. You grade it with BGS gets a 9.5. You grade it with CGC it hits like a pristine 10. Right? Already you know as a collector that well if that BGS was black label <laughs> 
it's on top of my ranking. Mm-hmm. If that CGC was perfect 10, I'm not sure I would even put that on top either in this situation. Right. So already, like you see, the weights are being built. Um, so you'd have to apply some type of just coefficient to it. Timing comes into it a lot as well. Uh, so I'll take, for example, like one of my recent sales that I did. It's not recent anymore, but here's a <laughs> the only uh, verified eBay sale I can tell you is one that I, I sold. <laughs> it got delivered. Uh, money went to my PayPal account. So that's the most data integrity you'll ever find right now when it comes to Pokemon <laughs> right. sales. Yeah. So it was the um, the Rainbow VMAX Pikachu and uh, Pikachu VMAX. PSA 10s, I put them in a lot together. It mm-hmm. sold for almost $2,000, right? I wasn't first to market on it. I was second. Okay. So, but I went higher. I sold higher than the first person to market. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the same data a week later, three months later, right, that sales price is going to go down. All right, so that's what I'm saying. Hey, timing comes into play. Now, let's go back to raw cards, right? If you wanted to throw raw cards into this equation to try and get like the true value of it, timing matters mm-hmm. as well. So the raw. Uh, that rainbow chunky chew we'll call them when it first came out was going for like $300 sold confirmed sale not chill bids not you know so when I'm talking about chill bids like I call it people who are just creating like almost bot accounts so no feedback no sales Mm -hmm. just like hey trying to bid up uh, whatever they have on their own auctions yeah right But once the first PSA 10 hits or first BGS, CGC, the raw cards, their price drops dramatically. And you've seen this across the board with with so many cards. And it's really happening with modern a lot. Uh, And then almost another vintage, sorry, another variable you throw in there, like, is the card vintage, right? Mm-hmm. there's a break point where it's like if I get lower than a 9 I would say on vintage if we're keeping on the PSA scale mm-hmm. like it's almost like you gotta sit on that forever just the price of it drops dramatically like you could actually sell it higher raw right because <laughs> yeah. someone's gonna take the gamble on like hey it looks like this is going to hit a nine or who man, imagine if this is 10, like this is my, you know, this is my kid's trust fund. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. <laughs> I'd, see- I'd be curious, like, cause what the conversation I felt that was really great was when, uh, you and, uh, CB started talking about, you know, what's truly the market. What's a real sale. How many of these raw cards have already been graded? cracked open and relisted yeah i have no way of validating that like that's that's something that man i don't know and also okay we're talking about private sales right 
Um, what about I go to a Comic-Con or a sports trading card show? Uh, these guys, like older collectors, they're not checking stuff on eBay. Right. Uh, they have like their own preferred sites. So usually like they're always going to be lower out there. You know, that sale mm-hmm. never gets never gets tracked. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I brought up the idea of building a blockchain yeah. for certs. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, again, compliance is going to have to be a part of it, too. Like people actually have to probably willingly put their card on the blockchain like it so you you know there's that aspect of it as well and then also like i I don't i've never built anything in the blockchain so i don't know how how it truly works from like a development perspective though i i do probably want to learn but like when it comes to the actual sale of it and let's say it is a private sale how does the hash come into play with that and recording that sale and then you know the rest of the blockchain confirming that sale when the change <laughs> happens you know so it's yeah. like it still has to it still has to have a fundamental like digital platform so and and that's exactly what private sales is not usually <laughs> it's yeah. usually face to face or or like it ends up it ends up coming down to face to face or it ends up coming down to some kind of off-platform sales. So it's like, how Here's do you, like you a, another a pretty interesting thing just to noodle on, right? Mm-hmm. So one of, like, the biggest things in any, like, trading card, collectible hobby is trades itself. Ah, yeah, so and true. And I'll, I'll use a specific example that, you know, I completed a – a trade off of IG mm-hmm. um, with the, uh, I think you might know him. He's pretty like um, reputable in the community. Uh, Pokemon TCG Player Club. Oh, that sounds familiar. Right? So he's yeah. actually um, his his day job. He's a he's a doctor. <laughs> oh. So, but like Pokemon is his his hobby. Uh huh. Um, so he does it literally like when he's coming off of a shift or rotation. <laughs> yeah. Really, really fun guy. Um, so he's trying to complete a Pikachu master set. Um, I traded him ooh, my special delivery Pikachu right at the time. I mean, I think the sales that are going on for it right now are just kind of uh, almost shilling overhyped. Uh-huh. But at the time, right? I just spent $20 at the PokemonCenter.com. Hey, they threw that in as a bonus. Whatever. Cool. Yeah. I still have the, I still have the Christmas ordinance. I think that's that's better Aww. to have. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because that Less... card, like, what I'm worried about is, like, hey, they'll do it again next year, and he'll be riding Charizard or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that card, like, has no value. I traded it for a Rockets Mewtwo um, and a Dark Celebi, right? Like, he let me have a kick from what he was getting ready to send to PSA. (laughs) Now we did, like, a live video and everything, you know, which I recommend that if uh, you're ever thinking about trading or buying through IG, right? See Uh if they'll go on live with video with you. 
And a lot of people are scared, like, not only about data integrity, but getting scammed. Like, I did the, that method with um, somebody in the Netherlands uh, because they reached out to me and was like, hey, I have these black and white. Um, they had black and white, and they had Dragon Frontier uh, vintage packs at, like, a price that was, like, way lower than eBay. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, hey, uh, if you have a second, can you just hop on video? And he was like, um, okay. <laughs> so we got on live on video. I feel like a little bad about it. Like he was like a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> but he's showing me the packs and everything. I was like, okay, uh-huh. yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for taking time. Yeah. Packs came here. It was awesome. But really the point I'm trying to get to is would you then like who do you think got the better deal in that trade mm-hmm. does that devalue rockets mewtwo because i gave away uh what i felt was i felt i got the better deal and i just gave away you know what i considered like hey a modern card you get for spending twenty dollars right you capture that value as well right i mean there's a lot of people that are trading vintage card for sealed modern because they can't get sealed modern right now mm-hmm. yeah so, and, and you'll see like hey if you ever try to do a private sale yourself you know people will tell you like oh try to lower the price like oh i can get it for that price or you know i could trade this and get x amount of packs right now <laughs> you know like the the hustle of the hobby that no one likes to talk about yeah yeah which is why you know i can see um you know once once everything sort of opens up and and you know i we were probably talking about it last night too but you know when when things start to open up um i I feel like prices will go down a little bit just because like that person-to-person interaction you know versus like just declining an offer (laughs) you know on on ebay I like to think about too is like so if we go to private sales I think that's your black hole and I don't even think like hey the blockchain idea like hey it's much better than anything that's happening right now but what's to prevent me from like hey I have a <laughs> and this isn't a joke either I got a gem mint 10 first edition shuckle from me <laughs> like selling selling it to my wife for a ridiculous amount oh and she's I see. like it and she's a different user that can verify the sale mm-hmm. you know there's ways there's yeah. ways to scam the system still i, I mean, guess it's yeah fraud <laughs> so let me tell you about how like fraud deals with like hey data science as well you know there's always outliers but there's also fraud as well um, uh-huh. So recently, hey, I did an analysis on the PSA Pop Resort for Charizard. You know, I was trying to make, I was trying to be insightful, help people out with collecting, you know, try to identify a few Charizards that I think will have, like, hey, longer term value based off of the data. Like, pretty much don't overpay for Shining Fates right now, or don't feel like you're missing out. Right. There's a lot of like, hey, 
good Charizards out there. Like one of them and, you know, really hitting myself on the head for that Comic-Con story, right? But base set two Charizard, very low pop on it, right? And you can still get it at a reasonably priced amount that won't break your budget. The pop report. <laughs> and I had this thought in my head while I was, you know, shipping out packages from eBay sales was somebody can really manipulate the market through that. Like um, the how yeah, like how I how I try to make like new investments and things that I love. I try to check and see like, okay, is anyone grading it? Oh, people are grading it. Maybe there's a market out there for it. Mm -hmm. Say I found something out there where I'm like, oh, wow, this this Disney movie is underpriced, right? Mm -hmm. Ooh, and a box of it right now cost me $20. Oh, phew, some of those Disney boxes have 48 <laughs> packs in them, and they're hobby size, so they're almost like fat packs. Uh-huh. Ton of cards. Uh, let me, yeah, let me buy a case, right? Okay, uh -huh. let me buy a case. I know there's like there's probably holofoil versions of it, some type of insert. Okay, I want to really invest in let's say like Moana or something, uh -huh. like panini, panini stickers. Yeah. Well, let me get every single Moana. Let me get every uh, Maui. You know, try to get the pop for the pop with the rock up. Right, uh -huh. rookie cards. All of a <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right. So, what if you did that? Right. I'm not saying people do this, but just be careful when you're seeing, hey, sales data for eBay or even the PSA pop report, that you don't know someone's intention. Right. Like, if all of a sudden I start sending, oh man, all these Moanas out there. Uh -huh. And then you start looking at the pop report, you're scraping it, and all of a sudden, wait, why are people, whoa, like why are seventy they buying... Moanas are hitting the market? Yeah, that's that's all me, right? Uh huh. And then let's say I was an evil genius, right? Which I'm not. <laughs> I feel other people are, and I call them out on it all the time. Like that's that's not what analytics is for. Uh huh. Uh, Mark marketers would say no that's exactly what it's for <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah say i was confident like hey these two are gonna hit gym in 10 and then i'm just like but psa might have never seen these before they might hit all of these as like tens and nines well what if i went ahead and took a loss on a couple of them right bent a corner scratched it up a little bit then you start seeing these moanas hit and it's like wait a minute look at this fours sixes sevens whoa a ten a nine mm -hmm. but if you do the distribution like the charizard analysis i did right so right. i trust it because it's vintage cards are showing those percentages you know this would be like first to market like i'm just saying like that's how like if you're not asking the probing questions like you do, Jess, like mm -hmm. you're going out to sites, you're asking, hey, where do you source your data? Right? It's right. Like, it's analysis 101. Phew, bottom of any slide you've ever seen is like data source. 
a time range sometimes there's a website right a right database name a lot of these sites aren't giving you that <laughs> no they're not which is why like i'm so yeah. skeptical because i can't verify the data because i mean my perspective is you know trust but verify right yeah. and and i i just i just can't verify it. and that doesn't mean that the data is bad but you know if you would just tell me <laughs> like if you would just say yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have to tell me like the details. And we've talked about this before. You know, you don't have to give like the proprietary, this is how I grabbed it. This is the code that it used, you know, information. But but we're just talking about basic data sources. We're just talking like, okay, you know, this is, this is basic, you know, writing papers, just cite your source. <laughs> you know, what paragraph yeah. did you get that concept from or, or whatever? Um, yeah. So uh, every once in a while, I'll get people who reach out to me Right, because I think people have come to realize, like, hey, I'm a real person on Instagram. Like, it's wow, I can actually talk to this guy. Like, he'll actually get on Zoom with me, give me some classes, help me with coding, talk about modeling approaches. Yeah, and, that's uh, cool. One time, one time, I was doing a live session, and uh -huh. somebody actually like popped in a question. I didn't know I was gonna put the video on, and it was a class at NYU. Are you serious? Yeah, and I was just walking That's through awesome. like, like a recap of like one of my, uh, you know, uh, panels that I did had the PowerPoint going and everything, mm -hmm. you know, asking questions for them about like, hey, um, <laughs> when do you want to do like bootstrapping? <laughs> What's a good? <laughs> but like oh, I didn't realize man. it was a whole class till like he turned around the camera and like everyone was watching. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. Wow, but, that's so, so every cool, once though. in a while, I'll get people, you know, who are telling me, like, hey, have you checked out this page, right? Like, hey, they're doing this. I think you might find value in it. Mm -hmm. It's like 90% of the time I don't <laughs> because you can't validate it, can't, um, can't trust it. Uh, I'll give you an example of bad, right? Uh, somebody told me like, hey, look, here's all the pull rates for the new set. It's this real great analytics page I think you would like. I go check it out. It's just somebody who's buying cases from, could be like Steel City Collectibles or they're a wholesaler. Um, they're just doing division off of what they open up. So there's hmm. no conditional probability right no monte carlo analysis going on there's a straight division but they're trying to for those who aren't like hey trained up in it or had like deep conversations like you and i have about analysis is they're throwing words like oh at a confidence <laughs> interval of 95 percent oh my god the without rates. the calculations Without the calculations, but what went off in my head is like, wait, why do you have a confidence interval for division? It's <laughs> right? just like math. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing like I'm not saying like, hey, it's two in every four packs at a confidence uh, interval of, you know, ninety six percent, right? So you wouldn't yeah. say like, hey, two divided by four equals two. 90 something percent of the time it's like no that's a hundred percent that's a hundred percent yeah are you telling me you don't know how to divide 
but like yeah i see stuff like that they try to do pages of like hey do some great analysis hey you should invest in this set and then boom it's always the same story it's mm-hmm. um hey here's a giveaway it's the set they were analyzing here's a raffle the set mm-hmm. they were analyzing like that's <laughs> that's the evil genius i'm not and then i'll share a story with you that i don't think i've told you yet right like somebody recommended me to your roi calculator and i think oh. like you can like read through the lines of when i was commenting on your post <laughs> so i went to your site i was like okay no i got my own version as well let me put uh-huh. in some of the cards i'm listing and the ROI I projected, and we like a hundred percent aligned. Because it's basic like, oh, math. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you'd be surprised, like people who are like building stuff like you are, and it just doesn't output, <laughs> or it outputs incorrectly. You know, mm-hmm. it could be something they did for like a school project once, like oh, get yeah. a check, yeah. online peer review, uh-huh. right? But what's scary is like you and i right we're just we're outnumbered out there mm-hmm. you know people are ooh, there's sometimes they steal my work um i'm pretty sure they'll probably steal your roi calculator at some point in your career and present it as their own uh one account that i know stole my work was they forgot to get rid of all my tags oh <laughs> so no. whenever i provide an analysis i'm trying to do like hey best best practice out there uh-huh. um, i just put like hey you know follow at pancake analytics for more you know whatever the theme it is you know in case like hey they do like the site they want to go deeper oh you have more what you see stuff disney stuff oh you'll help me out with video games the guy didn't get rid of the tag so i got a notification hey, so-and-so mentioned you, but they were posing it as their own. (laughs) Didn't realize when they hit copy and paste that I mentioned myself in it. (laughs) Nice. You mentioned yourself. (laughs) But what's scary about that is like, hey, I know I validated my data, validated the data sets, the data source, uh, double, triple check my statistics, train and test my models mm-hmm. but you still need the voiceover like yeah even like people who are in your field my field like they're reaching out to me all the time like just this morning um uh whew, another one who's in data analytics and he's a great he's a great analyst but he was just wanting to confirm that hey he was reading the output of the uh the tcg market correctly because in his his eyes, like, yeah, this is like really awesome, right? We had a 2% error rate, right? So May, mm-hmm. actually higher than what I trained the model on, right? The closest I could get my model to was 8% error. So just for overview for everyone who's listening, um, it was trying to predict the total volume of sales for the base set non-hollows uh, based off of PSA 10 eBay sales mm-hmm. at every monthly period, right? So usually my rule of thumb and it's industry practices, like, hey, if you're building 
this particular model that I did, which is very good with sales data. And I can explain it more after I'm done with my sandbox rant right here. <laughs> is, uh, so if it's less than 10%, that's an excellent model. I hit 8%, my error rate. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, now I can start making the PowerPoint decks. Let me get Instagram ready. Like mm -hmm. that's just like the integrity check. So I put everything down. Right, right. So if you are trying to do collecting or just want to know like, hey, the future value of your set, there's a forecasting model that works well all the time with sales data, especially if it's highly seasonal, right? Mm -hmm. So if you trend ooh, anyone's eBay sales over time, trading cards, merchandise, you'll always see pops in the summer, uh, increases in what is it holiday time right it could start in November but it's for sure there in December and then it will tick down a little bit in Q1 Q2 and then it pops back Q3 Q4 and if it's the right investment you'll start seeing the line go upwards uh-huh right so when I first grafted my data right I'm sure you and I are on the same page on this is like Hey, data visualization, you got to do it. You've got <laughs> like to. Before you, before you code, right, see what it looks like, see what quick correlation you can come up to. Mm -hmm. But I, what I noticed, it almost looked like, you know, almost like a lifeline or an earthquake reading where it's like, okay, up, down, up, down, but it's generally going up. So it screams, uh, the, it's called Holt Winters. Uh, uh -huh. It's named after, you know, the data scientist who developed it. Uh, another word for it is triple exponential smoothing. And so reason why it's called triple is it takes into three factors. Uh, seasonal, which is your trend. Um, right. Some not dependent variable, but you are like trying to predict it eventually. Uh, so in this case, it's monthly average sales, and then it takes a um, a recency factor, and that's how it smooths everything out. So smoothing is, it's going to take any high point, any low point, treat it almost as an outlier. Mm -hmm. So we'll call that like chill bidding. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> private sale. That's all outliers. Tom buying up every Bidoof on a day. <laughs> And it always gets like almost on the money accurate as long as there's seasonality to it. Right. So, yeah. But when I developed that, like, hey, I got a lot of heat from the community. <laughs> why? Why is that? Right? Like, because you you have a lot of new collectors coming from different hobbies. They didn't like the news that I was giving, which was that. That's what I wondered. Know, a realistic prediction here is going to be 6% increase when you look at it a rolling two years, right? You'd still outperform where you used to be. You'd still outperform the stock market, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be the infamous October 2020 numbers. Right. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. not going to like, oh no, everyone stops collecting. You know, but you get a 6% growth rate in any industry and wow, that's great. 
and then you realize where you were and you got that 6%. I mean, that's, that's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And actually trending the data over time, it's not COVID, right? It's mm-hmm. not, not Logan Paul. He gave it like a bump, right? You can see that in the data. But it started way back in 2017. You see a kick in 2018. 2019, if you look at like percentage of growth, like it grows as much as when Logan Paul did his box break. Yeah, I was talking to Pokemonster about that, Eric from Pokemonster. He's got an excellent uh excellent collection and he was he said something similar where you know he's seen pokemon because he's been collecting ever since pokemon from the beginning he's got his original collection and he says you know around every three years is when we start to see that so you know i mean like obviously it just comes to show that last year was the time (laughs) was the time for uh, it let me drop an idea in your head and I haven't fully tested it yet. So far, it's past the, um, I'll call it the sniff test. I just haven't built my model yet. So when I first started getting back into not only collecting, but grading, right? Mm -hmm. I was analyzing the data, all the sales, the pop reports out there, you know, started to notice that trend. And I'm playing around with the idea that with any collectible, as long as there's some attachment to it, it's a 25 year sweet spot. Before they really. That's when it's gonna pop. Mm -hmm. That's when it's like the definition of vintage. Cause like how many people were shocked if you tell them like, oh, the nineties wasn't 20 years ago, it was 30 years ago. Oh my gosh, I know. (laughs) Like a lot of people almost like fall over like, oh my goodness. So why I'm saying like it passes the sniff test was, I mean, I haven't gotten my first PSA bulk back yet. That's that's still a little sad, but that whole bulk is just everything I collected with my wife when we got back into it was mm-hmm. XY evolution. Right. So, hey, good news is like, it's been growing in value over and over. I've got ooh, four Charizard hollows in there three megas, a couple of reverses. But eBay is probably going to consider that I didn't value the cards right. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) By the time they actually get processed. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I'm saying that is um, Coach Ferrara, who I mentioned before, he actually got an upcharge from eBay on a, it was a Justin Herbert rookie. So a mm-hmm. quarterback for the Chargers that hit a PSA 10 on him, right? So they say, like, hey, he undervalued the card, so they had to move him up a service. But it's like at the time he sent it, it was in the right service level. <laughs> it's just yeah. so our PSA is taking so long to grade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it – yeah. It just, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's just the shitty situation, you know? I mean, what did he end up having to pay for it in terms of service level? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, it was enough to like complain about it. But, uh, right. He, he also runs, uh, he runs box breaks, right? Uh-huh. Uh, 
So he's a that's been very like ROI positive for him. But you know, and it's what he's been doing that is hey, building up his own collection. Uh, he's big on like collecting goats. So him and I have always been talking about like, okay, what's the goat of Pokemon? Mm-hmm. Right, like what's kind of like, poof, if you were to <laughs> build a shrine. <laughs> Who who's you know, the Charizard who, or the LeBron or the yeah, Kobe? Yeah. So who's that? Right. Everyone's gonna have varying opinions. I think everyone agrees on, you know, Charizard, Pikachu. Oh. And then depending on who you talk to, who's who's third in line. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk to me, it's something that no one's talking about, I feel like. And I base this off of the uh the survey results that uh the Pokemon company likes to run every year. Oh yeah. So my third on the list is Greninja. I think he's way over uh, sorry, way undervalued. I think his big chaser card that I've already seen start to increase in price before I started buying it out and grading it is the uh, Hidden Fates full art shiny of him. Right? And the reason Mm -hmm. why is so one year in the US, he was the top favorite. He beat out Charizard. And so earlier when I was talking about those qualitative variables that are out there, so think about the anime. Uh, All throughout, whew, I don't remember which season it was, but when Ash Ketchum was in the Kalos region, right? Froakie was his partner. Green Ninja was his partner. Green Ninja had such a strong bond with him. Another card I'm big on is Ash Greninja. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, they developed such a strong bond. He started to start taking on his appearance, (laughs) right? You know, like, fun fun anime stuff. (laughs) You know, they wouldn't actually do in video games. (laughs) But so there's probably a whole generation of collectors coming up that that's their Charizard. <laughs> I mean, he's right? he's cool designed and, and you just put out a post on him about, you know, the best starter according to to data yeah. science. And so that, in and the data, he, he pops up in there because of his speed and mm-hmm. based off of what people are putting in my survey. Mm-hmm. Right. When I presented that, at, I think I presented that one at my uh, local one, and I might have done it in Orlando as well, the Tampa Bay Comic Con, uh, and I did it at, I think, the Anime Festival in Orlando, because I was trying to evaluate, like, uh, Ash Ketchum's teams over time, because <laughs> it was, like, right around the time that, like, hey, everyone knew he was going to win the Sun and Moon League, you know, they were going to toss him a bone. Because, like, Sun and Moon's the easiest game in the series anyway. I say it's even easier than Let's Go Pikachu. I mean, you don't have gyms or anything in Sun and Moon. It's very weird. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but I need to. Yeah, but so when I was presenting that, man, there are, like, it's interesting that you can see what people collect. Because no one likes my risk reward graph. <laughs> I think it's like a new, like, interesting way to show, like, a cluster analysis, right? 
So pretty much it's, um, yeah. So whew, it's got- the I, two, I like it. I mean, it's the easy two to variables. Read. Yeah. So yeah. it's got the two variables that the cluster analysis thought were, hey, most important. So highest importance. Uh, uh -huh. One of them special attack. Um, I think that's the, see, the y-axis, yeah. X-axis is um, defense, right? So what that does is I know my groups are already clustered around that, you know, there's speed, other stats in there. That's why Greninja pops up to the top. He's very high on speed, very high on special attack. So what that tells me in the data is, you know, like you got to make sure Greninja doesn't get an attack off on you. <laughs> what I would be really interested in if the PCG, and I haven't like looked at the new sets enough, like the ones that's showing like the new type of gameplay where you can do like quick attacks or more of like a bulkier attack. Like I want for my own personal collection is if they did a quick strike attack Greninja card. Because I feel like that would be how he's actually used in the main series game. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how and how people remember him yeah. by. Yeah. I, I sure remember it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I've kept him throughout all all my games. So since playing X and Y, got him up to level one hundred, uh, made the purchase for Pokemon Bank <laughs> mm -hmm. before before they released Pokemon Home. <laughs> So, oh man yeah so i still think i do i'm paying for pokemon home but i don't really like it that much like the more of the focus is on pokemon go and it's like okay i don't want to deposit like 90 percent kanto pokemon <laughs> yeah yeah so, i can understand that and i want ones that are going to help me out in the game right but from the collecting point of view right think about other quality variables like that too. Like when I showed that risk reward, people were so upset that whew, just today, I think someone was not arguing, but we were having like a fun, like back and forth. <laughs> I'm like, he was like, I think you switched Greninja and Blastoise by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's pretty funny. Oh. And when I was presenting it live, like, Somebody with a huge, oh, I think the name is like Chestnut, not like uh, Chespin from, ooh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's black and white. Uh -huh. Or it might've been X, yeah, I think it's XY. I should have known that. I didn't, I didn't pick him. <laughs> but I remember him from the anime because he loved to eat muffins. Like that was his thing. Right. So there's weird, quirky things like that where it's like, man, if I remember he eats muffins, he's so silly. <laughs> right. right. And, I, and I'm a grown man. <laughs> and then somebody's arguing with me, like, <laughs> in my, <laughs> during my presentation, I'm like almost heckling. Uh huh. <laughs> That's like, funny. Because I, I called him out as the worst, the worst you could pick in the whole main series. He's bulky, but his like attacks don't make up for it. Right, um, right. He's not a he's not a true heavy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, how do you collect that data, right? 
you mm. collect it through surveys, you know. Uh, yeah. But it's very tricky with survey data, right? You don't know who, what mood they were in when they were taking the survey, who's actually taking the survey, and how they want to see them in a light, right? So mm -hmm. let's say, let's think of some flaws in the one that I built my propensity model off of. Mm -hmm. I asked the question like, hey, who's your ideal team? And who did you play through throughout the game? Like, no one wants to admit that like, oh, they had a HP like mule in there. Like somebody right. just load up to get through the story, right? Uh -huh. So like, that's where like my love for Bidoof comes from. <laughs> hey, like he, he could, he, he's good in battles. But you also, you just gave them all your HMs, you know, right. hey, learn cut, hey, learn rock throw, right? Mm -hmm. You need to, like, for some reason, you can jump off of ledges in that game, you know, play flute to wake up Snorlax. Oh, the main yeah. Series. But you can't cut a tiny, a tiny little button. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to send out, like, ooh probably a pokemon you didn't realize you couldn't delete hm moves from right like you sent out skyther and wasted a whole move on him because you're just thinking like oh hey skyther probably knows how to cut on his own right like, look at his think. arms yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man so fun stuff of like memories like that like uh think about like one of these shiny cards that are really big in hidden fates is the Skyther, right? Uh-huh. Somebody might have had that <laughs> experience you and I are just talking about. Like, hey, he looks cool. He should be able to cut. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I couldn't yeah. cut. And then eventually, like, oh, you remember, like, hey, he was on my team. I wonder if there's people out there who are trying to collect what their main series team was the first time they played like i know a lot of people try to go for their first starter right mm -hmm. you try to get charmander or if you started with a uh, gold and silver i think like total dial and cyndaquil are kind of a toss-up on on which one's likes, more yeah which one's yeah. more popular like right now um the giveaway that i'm running right i put a all starters in a tournament where people can vote but it also informs me about hey is the market changing that route like our perspectives of buyers changing as well too like right now in that vote Bulbasaur is beating out Charizard sorry no Charmander Bulbasaur is such a fun not, starter Nothing I thought about, right? But yeah, that tells me like, hey, the people who are following my page uh, are mostly, you know, there for whether it be my memes or they Your saw memes me at are the, funny. <laughs> they saw <laughs> me at the, uh, the anime festival in Orlando. All right, uh -huh. there's no way they grew attached to Bulbasaur through the games. I'm sorry. He's just well, so so slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like the other thing too, though, was at least for the original games when I played, I'm like red and blue. I can't remember which one I played first, but like you could pick how hard you wanted the game to be based on 
you know, the starter and Bulbasaur was always the easier one, which it makes sense. So, you know, people try to, you know, play a little bit more easier sometimes because you're a child and you don't know the game and you're trying to learn, learn it. And you just, you know, you end up picking that one a little bit more than the tournament. That kind of, that kind of makes sense. And there's so many freaking variables to, to, to like apply to, you know, analysis, honestly, like it, it reminds me of, you know, all those people that are trying to build algorithms for the stock market because yep. there are an insane amount of variables to take into account. And we're only talking about Pokemon here. And we've brought up like 10 different variables, at least, you know, yep. <laughs> that affect impact on so many different levels. It's just a little mind blowing. But I think that's yeah. where it's at. I think that's where it's at. Building an so, algorithm. And also, it kind of seems like, hey, you know, if anyone listening has built a model before, you know, and you're raising your eyebrow a little bit, right? Like all these variables don't get used in the model. Uh-huh. Right? Like I'll use them as profiling at the end, right? Because, hey, let's say I run a random forest to clean up my model some, right? There mm-hmm. might be out of all this, we come up with like, hey, I just need to know these three facts and it's going to predict sales, right? Like, hey, did were they in the anime? That's nice to know afterwards, right? That's if I'm trying to predict sales. Now, say I'm right. trying to do a propensity model, right? Which propensity, you put weights based off of all your variables, to try and get everyone on the same playing field. And you're trying to find the best way to explain it is like look-alike Pokemon to each other, right? Well, I was talking earlier, I'm like, hey, building a collection on a budget, <laughs> right? That's where you actually throw in every variable, right? Because let's say, hey, were they in the anime? Hey, how many memes is Mudkip in? <laughs> right? <laughs> And I'll talk about oh that, that that in a second. I'm uh-huh. very, very bullish on collecting Mudkip just because of the memes out there. Mm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've also played in my head. It's like, okay, if I get it back and I don't see the markets there, like, let me just as, like, a joke, put an eBay auction that says, like, I heard you like Mudkip. <laughs> <laughs> see see, oh, see if someone, <laughs> someone plays with a bit. <laughs> you know but yeah so propensity after that it's going to give me a score of zero to one and match people together but it factors in all of these qualitative variables we're talking mm-hmm. about right did you play with them in the main series uh some of the questions i asked in the uh, survey was um so i really want to get around by just directly asking someone's age that's always awkward but yeah i always ask them like hey do you play the main series what was the first game you played do you play pokemon go who's your favorite pokemon go Mm -hmm. and you can kind of get to demographics um it's just like man this survey isn't fun like you know pancakes lied to me oh yeah that's what i was trying to avoid so, you know, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like, 
based on what you were saying, like the sales models versus a propensity model, um, you know, and, and the sales model is a little bit easier to get at because you said, you know, like, as you said, it, you only need three variables. Could you use a sales model to develop or to teach an, um, an AI to um, kind of pro- like, okay, so I guess maybe what I'm saying is, is like with the sales model, you're able to kind of go back after the fact and see these other factors come into play. So with with being able to see those factors come into play, can you essentially, with the data that you get from the sales model, kind of teach an AI to sort of take those types of factors into consideration for projections, like, or for your propensity model? So let's, let's solution it live. And I love where you're going, right? So what, what I would do specifically is, okay, you got the sales model built and you want to predict it. Um, I won't go into too much of how I built it, but I think it's on my website. I talk about how many data points it puts in. Uh, What I'm not really clear on in that model is just the trend that I use in there. But just for like transparency reason, I'll just go ahead and say, because anyone can Google how to build (laughs) build a Holtz winter, right? Like it's not proprietary info so i take my recency factor so is 13 months right Mm -hmm. so i'm putting an emphasis on the last 13 month behavior right so that 13 month behavior would have to be a variable within the propensity model right so you need what were the sales for the last 13 months right um what's the predicted value right of applying that winter's approach that would be another value right and then you're really just trying to match it up based on all your other qualities so some qualities that you can almost argue that it's more quantitative too like it's kind of black and white and then i'm playing around with in my head just I haven't tested it out yet is Mm. um, I'm trying to factor in scalpers right oh interesting so is Charizard in the set yes or no or sorry uh, one or zero make it binary Mm -hmm. is um how many are in there so we kind of got like a continuous value because Uh I'm sure like without that factor in there like I would not predict the price of like modern day to who's in evolutions pidgey versus a vintage pidgey correctly mm-hmm. right because my gut feeling would say like oh obviously the base set is right. the right play to do i think once we catch up to like the rarity print counts what scalpers actually did to the industry Mm -hmm. right so let's say if like hey they're not trying to oversell they're a grader they're trying to flip how many of these common cards are just getting and it's going to break my heart right and probably listeners hearts are just getting thrown out right now yeah all that bulk that that they're just yeah you know not taking care of 
I mean, here's a facepalm moment for me, but like I never saw the value in promo cards. <laughs> oh, no. I, in all my ETBs, I would just, you know, leave them there so they're all damaged. <laughs> play with them in decks. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, right. You know, like just, just at home play. But yeah. But I mean, I didn't <laughs> do my research and realize that like, hey, I can't pull a shining uh who is it oh in a deck yeah or, sorry you in, have a, in, to... a pack of, in a pack of hidden fates like an old <laughs> promo yeah it's it's got to be the promo card yeah yeah, oh, yeah. most definitely yeah. yeah so that would be like another variable you throw into it right mm-hmm. how do i get it promo only does it come from an etb mm-hmm. like you don't want to get like too close to overfitting the model but when it comes to like propensity, you want as much as you can. Right. Like you want to make sure that it's spotless, bulletproof. Because the one thing that would shoot down this approach is if, whew, if I'm not predicting like Lugia <laughs> first edition higher than a modern card, right? Mm-hmm. But I think another like interesting discussion point would be so i know people personally are having issues moving those lugias like it's been in their collection forever they value it so high as it should be but the market out there for some reason doesn't want it (laughs) i guess it's like it's not in their uh their goats (laughs) And, and, you know, what's funny is that it goes back to the illiquidity of the market, which is if you haven't gotten money in hand for your card, technically your card isn't worth that until you have the money in your hand. So it, it's like one of those, one of those weird things, you know, because like, we, you, you have to be careful when you, when you decide you want to sell something, because if you just you know, the market value for that item. Connor in the chat, he's like, facts, and this is something that he's been teaching me 100%, but, you know, like, like, you know, the, the market rate is the market rate. So if you put on an auction and it doesn't do as well as you want it to, well, that was what the market was telling you for that time. So, you know, now what you got to do is you got to find the Lugia collectors. Like if you have a Lugia card that you want to flip, you got to find the Lugia collectors. Are they too young to buy them right now? If so, you know, then that means you have to wait on it a little bit more, like to get the price that you want. So, yeah. Or you got to wait for an interesting uh, anomaly in the market to happen. Mm. We can almost kind of predict those a little bit now. Um, Like I'll use Marvel as an example. Um, Marvel prices are going not through the roof, but they're showing like, and abnormally sales price uh sealed boxes are going out of control uh the psa graded um there at first they were going for like 10 grand a piece almost so we're talking like deadpool rookie card wolverine rookie card in quotations i say rookie card because for a lot of people don't know it's not the first printing of them mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's cards well, for Deadpool, it'd be the first printing because he didn't come out till the 90s. 
But right, for right. Spider-Man, for instance, there's a 1978 sticker deck. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he goes way back. He's, <laughs> Vintage. He's silver, silver age. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But you see, like, it starts all of a sudden in, like, November, December, January. And what launched then was WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, my goodness. Wow. So you could almost line up all the Disney Plus releases. I wouldn't do it with movies, right? Because of COVID, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> like you never what's know. Going on there. Mm-hmm. But so bring it back to Pokemon, right? Is um, there's going to be like a rumored uh, what is it? a red and blue series live action mm-hmm. that's set in the Detective Pikachu universe. Yeah. Right. Which so, could, you know, yeah. what if they, I mean, Detective Pikachu, like, Rhyme City with every region combined, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like, do you want to bank on, like, hey, maybe Lugia pops up somehow? <laughs> maybe. And my 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 money is on probably uh, Hoa would uh, show up, right? Because uh-huh. they've been pushing him, I think, more. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean... Oho is just like a beautiful visual in my eye. Like, I, I couldn't agree like more. It pretty much like design is amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool. Such a cool character. And and you know, I guess I'm kind of curious from your perspective is you know, um, is something that's been on my mind when we think about values and and building a tool that can value your collection. You know, that, that's really what it comes down to: building a tool that can value your collection. Mm-hmm for that time, that, that time that you're looking at it, you know, when it comes to, to looking at something in the stock market, obviously you see a lot of ups and downs, you know, something spikes up and then it retraces, which is normal, right? So let's say, for example, in January, Alugia goes for 10,000, right? It goes for 10,000. And then you have the Lugia collectors that are like, oh, I want to cash out now. This is a great time for me to do that. And then they can't find buyers for that price point. So because of that one sale, right? Because of that one sale at that time where the market was telling you at that time what that price was, the next day it can drop if no one is willing to buy for that price. So, So I guess what my point is, is like, to me, and this is kind of how I'm leaning from a data perspective, like from a, and an, from my analytical mind, my analytical mind is telling me that, you know, even though it's sold for that price, that one day, that doesn't mean that it is the actual value of the card when you look at the demand for it. So maybe it could become a $10,000 card in the future, you know, and just the numbers are arbitrary yeah. just to prove the point. But like, would you agree with that, that, you know, like if, yeah, if, if demand isn't there and there's no buyers, it's not there. Yeah. There's like, I'll use an example of something I bought recently. And like, to me, I think, you know, it's being overlooked by almost everyone. I got it for $30. Um, so it's a one of one printing plate of the Hulk from mm-hmm. uh, Age of Ultron. Right. So that whole set has a bunch of printing plates. So me as a collector, I know like, wow, this is what they used to make that certain card, you know, but it's one of one. Mm-hmm. So essentially, like, it has no value. <laughs> right. Because... right. Because 
there's not enough sample size to compare mm -hmm. to, right? Like, let's say, like, I grade it or some reason. It hits a 10. I put it up there. Say someone else, like, realizes, like, oh, man. Like, say, like, Lou, Lou Ferrigno buys it or something. Mm -hmm. Or Mark Ruffalo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just like, wait, Lou Ferrigno would not buy an image of Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark Ruffalo buys it, right? And it right. goes for, like, whatever, X amount. Because, um, I mean, you are seeing, like, celebrities try to invest in themselves. Like, um, it happens in sports all the time, too. Mm -hmm. like uh what comes to like recent memory is like a lebron that sold really high it was like a patch autograph rookie and he actually commented on the post that was talking about it and he did like a little shush symbol and said like i kept several of these like talking about like from his signing day all right <laughs> upper deck or panini at the time i don't think panini was around yeah so uh -huh. probably upper deck <laughs> Right. Oh, so people man, are yeah. investing in themselves, too. But so point of it is, like, say Ruffalo buys it or somebody buys it. Like, that's not the real value. And you can't really assess it because what I'm more concerned about is not the max value. <laughs> I want to know the mode value. <laughs> right. And if I'm trying to make an investment or do a short sale. I want to know worst case scenario. That's very true. I, I think the minimum values, true. Whether it be like, hey, they listed it wrong, or the photo looked off. Mm -hmm. like, I want to make sure, like, because, man, I got two kids. I'm exhausted. <laughs> At one point, <laughs> they were two under two. Now it's two and one. Uh -huh. Like, most of the time when I'm listing my sales, like, whew. Like, I could see I might <laughs> make a typo or put the wrong starting price. Or, like, mm -hmm. I want to know, like, I'm still going to be profitable if worst case scenario happens. Right. But you, usually the answer always is hold on to it. Like, if, it's something, you, if it's something you collect, you have attachment to, right? That when we're talking like worst case scenario, you got to make sure, like, hey, if you can't sell this thing, is it something you display in your home? Right. <laughs> right? Like those um, I've shared with you and with the group that like, hey, you know, those Black Widows MCU first appearance, I'm calling them, that I bought, like that's for my home. That's for my daughter. <laughs> right? I wasn't right. looking at it from an ROI perspective. <laughs> like these, I'm not going to sell. But I'm sure if you looked at like the BGS pop report and say like, man, there's only, I didn't even check it myself, how many of there are out there, it might pop up as like, oh, only two of these cards have ever been graded. They both got 9.5. Man, where are they? I don't see them on eBay. Like someone might overvalue it because of that. Right? Right. So it's just, it's hard. Like, but we need access to the data. <laughs> like i'm still confused on to why ebay hasn't developed some type of app or some type of tool out there just through ebay itself just tells you like hey volumes quantities i think part of it might be data compliance 
Another part of it is shill bidding. Like, I think there's part of it where like, hey, them not being transparent <laughs> helps their business. Right. What, what like, is, I, I almost what? fell trapped into it too with, um, what was it? The McDonald's Pikachu yeah. promo. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like when you were uh, talking on your live session, I'm like, oh, like, hey, you know, do we think this sale is real? It went up to like 18K. You know, I checked it on eBay. I'm like, wow, yeah. Whoa, all these other ones are like, they're less than raw, like 2000 now. Like, what is going on? I was like, I know I got one, like, in a case. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> Get ready to list it. But then a couple of days later, it's like, yeah, the market's not there. <laughs> you know, eBay's yeah. not really telling you unless you do your own research, like, was this relisted? You got to yeah. click into it. And then hopefully there's the relisted option, you know. Um, you and others have figured out a way to see uh, what is it best offer accepted, right? Your your web scraping techniques, you know, your knowledge of HTML <laughs> that that's a language I'll never pick up. <laughs> it's funny that you're calling it a language. <laughs> it's we're throwing sticks at a wall. <laughs> Why won't it yeah. stick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's hard to assess value. Um, if eBay doesn't do it, someone else is going to do it. Mm -hmm. e eBay is going to get upset and try to shut them down. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. And that's something. Yeah. Well, yeah. so doesn't Terapeak kind of do, I don't have Terapeak um, yeah. on my eBay account. Yeah. But so does, I do does it, have, I do, I do have Terapeak, right. Um, but it's really not user-friendly at all. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, I mean, you know, like I've requested the developer API for eBay. Have they given you access? No, no. I'm still on the waiting list for it's the marketing now, the marketing Ooh. API. They got to yeah. put me through a full business review. It's oh, like, Lord. Because, oh, really? I mean, probably everyone's trying to do it. <laughs> you know, a lot of like personal investors probably too. And one of the students I was mentoring, it was just like a couple of days ago, right? Asking him probing questions about like, okay, why do you want to get into card collecting? What are your goals? And I mean, I'll, you know, kudos for being honest, right? <laughs> but he was really trying to just look at it from just straight ROI investing. He wanted to get into Pokemon. He got into it. He got into trade collecting through uh, European League soccer cards. Right? Yeah. You know, so to me, it's almost like, did you really, do you really like the European League? <laughs> or did you listen to a podcast that said like, hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these are about to blow up. Yeah. But. Yeah. I think I think that's why, like you you know, because we we've been talking about it from a very data intensive perspective, and you know, we are ourselves, you know, in part struggling, you know, trying to work through the problem of how do you truly value something, and I mean, you know, it goes back to the thing that we we always talk about: if you are collecting something, you know, collect something that you like, and then. 
you know, if you've at least collected something that you've liked and you've tried to get it at a reasonable buy-in, you know, I mean, cause cost basis is so much of it too. Yeah. When, when, when you look at it just from like a mitigating risk, if, if you are trying to see it from an investment standpoint as well, but you know, as long as you buy things that you like with money that you don't, that you're okay with losing, find things that you like with money that you're okay with losing and that you won't, that's, you know, put yourself in a crazy a situation. Great, like then you're a good point you put, you right? Know? Like you got to have disposable income. Unfortunately, uh-huh. that's, that's the key. Mm-hmm. Um, what was interesting was, so I listened to, ooh, um, so Charlie, the, uh, the Pokemon expert, the SME mm-hmm. for CGC, right? I caught a podcast he was on and he kind of addressed that subject and explained to people like how he started out and built his collection. He had yeah. no disposable income, mm-hmm. right? He had a friend who, you know, they were a single parent and so they couldn't hold on to their collection anymore. So this was like back in the day, like no one was using eBay. It was mm-hmm. like some site where he had to list stuff. So, and they made an agreement on like prices she was okay with and he would get to keep the rest. You know, mm-hmm. so he was putting like the hustle work like that and then buying cards that he wanted to. Right. So right. essentially like he created his own disposable income. Uh-huh. Um, that's what I like to do too with what I do. Right. Um, like, yes, do I have a career? <laughs> Isn't enough to like, hey, pay bills, you know, keep my family a roof over their head. Yes, but it's not going to be like if I start dipping like card money into it, right? Right. But I came right. close to like, hey, what I was comfortable with, ran my own ROI, right? Everyone should run their own ROI. See what you're comfortable, how much you have to sell. Right. But the goal was, hey, have cards start paying for cards. Right, right, right. Like, so I've sold off what a lot of people might call bulk. Um, I've gotten uh, nasty grams, nasty emails from people on eBay saying, like, why are you grading these cards? You're wasting time. You're wasting resource. You should only grade valuable cards. Like, little did they know, like, hey, five of these auctions I sold. I turned that into a shining riot shoe, <laughs> which now that hey. personal collection for my son mm-hmm. turned it into a shining Gyarados, <laughs> like cars that were not attainable for me. Cause it was like, all right, let's be honest here. It's like, man, if I was to buy shining Gyarados in a condition, that's like, Hey, let me show off and brag about Right. We're making a decision. I'm like, do I have to cut groceries this month? <laughs> It's like right. oh man, COVID's going on. Like, how secure is my job? Like, I think I'm valuable to my company. <laughs> Am I really a number? Yeah. But, you know, when it's you start having cards, pay for cards, and you're still putting money back into the hobby, it's like win-win, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I try to do right through my page is, you know, if I interact with followers and their collectors. And they are trying to do kind of the same approach, like, hey, my cards pay for cards. If they do a claim sale, 
I try to make sure like, hey, I invest in people who I feel are investing in me, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm sure you feel the same way. 100%, hey, yeah. Like, people take out time to listen to your podcast. Like, you know, you want to support your supporters. And usually, you know, there'll be some hidden gems that were hard decisions for them to let go. Right. Like, yeah. uh, I picked up a Rainbow VMAX Pikachu raw from a claim sale. Mm-hmm. from somebody who you know follows the page i mean he did a post about how like oh this is for like the personal collection something happened along the way he had a post of it like in claim sale like months and months later right so i think it was like around the time of yeah so it was recently um it was i had it on a mail day but you know psa raised their prices so PSA priced him out of the hobby, essentially. Yeah. Right? So he had to make a decision on, like, do I grade this? Or, you know, do I, you know, make sure we got enough groceries coming in? So, and he's like, yeah, tough choices. Cards here, it's in great commission. He's having a little seller's remorse going on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, hey you know just keep me in the loop if you grade it like just want to make sure and stuff that i tell him is like look like this is for my son like don't don't think you you know sold it to some flipper some scalper like it's not going to go in a giveaway <laughs> like mm-hmm. i told him like i had seller's remorse <laughs> when i sold that in a lot with the regular vmax <laughs> right you know oh my god a couple of people i was talking to they're just like don't sell it like hey there's a lot of like modern tens you'll start coming out but it's, you know it's almost impossible to pull that card they're not gonna do another like v max rainbow pikachu <laughs> you know you don't have to worry about that coming in some random set yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah. i had buyer's remorse like i never get um the common term like a uh, fear of missing out oh you never like, like i feel like i'm pretty patient around that mm-hmm. you know That's i don't good. like all of a sudden flock and like quick quick buy everything up oh man i need that <laughs> right now you know but what i do yeah. get is seller's remorse a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah like it's um yeah almost about everything sometimes i get like giveaway remorse <laughs> like i get i get happy for like okay the people who won uh, one of them uh i did like a christmas uh 10 days giveaway one of them was a et box of <laughs> evolutions right the guy even did like videos on it he was gonna open a pack a day in that box he got a reverse charizard and a hollow charizard and he was like very appreciative he's like whoa man thanks wow Mm -hmm. like tagged me in it i'm just like and you're like wow like that would have been like a great thing to stash for luke yeah yeah but then again it's like how would you have known (laughs) wouldn't i wouldn't have known like even uh when i was like uh trying to do breaks for a little bit right Mm -hmm. so i was trying to reinvent the page a little bit um because like comic cons are getting canceled left and right yeah 
I'm accepted into a few that are like starting in July, starting in August. I'm not optimistic about them. Uh, last year, like I had to uh, proactively cancel because it was oh, really? getting like to almost to a month. Like mm-hmm. I needed to, you know, make sure I got reimbursement for my flights to Toronto. Like I probably would have been stuck in Toronto <laughs> if, <laughs> had that, you con, gone. if that con <laughs> happened. Yeah. But it's like from a PR standpoint, they're waiting for the last second to say it's not happening. Yeah. Like Tampa Bay Comic Con even had like press releases about like, hey, they were going to be the only Comic Con going on during COVID. It's like, that's the most Florida thing to say, right? I wasn't <laughs> like, going to say like, anything, <laughs> but you said it. <laughs> right? And they canceled week of week of and then they have to go through the issue of like oh you know we'll reimburse everyone or we'll um, you know reinstate your tickets for next year it's like next year's not happening either right yeah so that's what led to like more of the analysis for the trading card game like i was just trying to react to my followers right Mm -hmm. i did a couple like hey live sessions uh, walking through, you know, past panels I've done, new analysis, giving away giveaways during it, because I was trying to simulate, like, the Q&A part that I love of my panels. Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. usually they'll give me, like, 45 minutes to speak. I try to make sure there's at least, like, 15 minutes at the end. To ask uh, questions, or so I do answer a, questions, yeah. Yeah, I do a presentation, I do, um, so... One of my main goals is like try to teach, educate, make sure people retain it. Mm-hmm. So let's say like I do a presentation of like how to build your best team in black and white, right? Pokemon mm-hmm. black and white. And I'm really trying to teach them how to do a, the K-means clusters, like not deep into the code, but just so they can articulate it enough. So they can ask like more questions later on if they want to pursue it as a career. Mm-hmm. And then I do a little game time um, before the Q&A. Right. So I have collectibles. I mean, if Comic-Cons come back and I go this route again, like my idea is to have like, hey, graded PSA to give away. So what I do is I That's going to be fun. Five, I'll five be there. Five. ask them questions like we make it like a little game uh Mm -hmm. so k-means cluster right it'll put you know it'll cluster put you in groups so i'll put like three pokemon on the screen and it'll be like okay one of these is not like the other (laughs) which one is not here sometimes it'll Mm -hmm. be like okay guess the cluster and it's Mm -hmm. like pokemon that visually looks so different but you know, their stats, they are statistically exactly the same, right? Huh. And so then they come up and get and get a prize that way, right? So the live sessions I was doing on IG wasn't getting, like, that much following. Um, it did really, really well when I did one for India. <laughs> right? Oh, interesting. We're talking data science is huge in India. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of oh, people yeah. I meant and mentor or overseas um poo, they usually end up getting data science careers right like That's one awesome. of them like thanked me on linkedin recently but it's just about like having the conversations that we're having right now on um, 
on your podcast, right? It's like, yeah, hey, coding is important. Knowing that data is clean is important too. Right. Right. But to take you into a new field is you have to articulate, right? The data. Like, tell me tell me why this is insightful. Like don't tell me what your R squared is. <laughs> don't or your tell percent me what change. Your, what your make is. Yeah, don't tell me what your percent change is. And don't mm-hmm. and you have to be able to defend why you did it month over month and you're just mm-hmm. comparing one sale to another. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right. Why right. aren't you why aren't you concerned you can't have full visibility into all the sales data? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you concerned that you think a private sale is a valid sales point? <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. being able to answer that, right? So that's like the India one did well. Uh, the US one, you know, didn't do too great. Uh, this was before, I think like my following was at like maybe 3,000 followers, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very like appreciative and thankful to everyone. I'm finally at over 10K. Um, reason why that was important Ooh. to me is that, hey, I can start throwing links into my story and I can get people like actually reading the analysis through mm-hmm. the website, <laughs> Right, because I've been tracking yeah. like my stats on WordPress, and it's like maybe I'll get seven views a day, and I'll see like okay, people are actually clicking through, reading through it. I, you know, they won't tell you too much detail, but okay, I see it's from this country, and I see okay, they read, they came in through this Google search. Okay, now they're okay, they're reading everything that has to do with Mario, Mario Kart, right? Right, right. You know, so that's interesting there. Um, what I was actually seeing more success with was doing box breaks, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like s- selling spots through eBay, right? I tried mm-hmm. on the site, uh, no one was taking it. And then I realized, well, that's really like a conflict of interest, right? Like I never want to see, like I've done claim sales before, uh, just that like what I felt was like a really good deal for people. I remember. Yeah. Surprise! Like no one was taking advantage of it, right? Like uh-huh. I was just, hey, I let everyone know, like, hey, flat rate twenty dollars. Right. So it was like a base char, sorry, base Charmander, base of all the starters. Uh, it's all CGC. Maybe that's why, like, not many people were taking it. it. Yeah, but yeah. we're talking like high graded vintage char Charizard. I was like, really? Like, should I put a timeline on this? Should I? But I'm sure, like, hey, if I did a giveaway, it would be, you know, two, it'd be different. Maybe two hundred people respond, and yeah, you know, so yeah. the breaks weren't getting that much leeway on IG as well. But they were always selling out on eBay. So yeah. my breaks, who. I would call I was calling them mega breaks, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was a who a couple of ETBs. Um, sometimes it was three booster boxes in there, and I always have a surprise one to pull out. And you know, being methodological about it, planning it out, it would always be like a big hitter. So like hidden fates or <laughs> whatever was new in the market, to where people were just like, oh wow. But I was purposely making sure I was opening enough product and people were getting, no matter what uh, random Pokemon type you got, right? So it's not a downer if you didn't pull fire. 
right, play, right. type. <laughs> but when you're opening up that many sets, you get this. But the point was to take like these breaks were taking like three hours long. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was also like That's trying to edu- edu- educate people as I was going. Like, hey, talk about the panels, some of my favorite analysis, why I feel like strong about this card. Right. And it was mm-hmm. not talking about like Ooh, PSA 10 just sold for this. It was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, the PSA 9s are going to come in soon, too. Like every influencer you see out there. Yeah. <laughs> like at first, like a lot of people were getting confused. <laughs> Some people are like, is this a science project? <laughs> like I could see the, the chat going on. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. But, people talking but about they it. Kept, they kept coming back, though, right? Because eventually they realized, like, hey, this guy, like, his heart seems like he's in the right place. Um, yeah, sometimes the interactions on eBay are funny as well. Like part of like reinventing myself too through COVID. Um, I answer every email I get through eBay. A lot of oh, people yeah. don't don't expect that. And I always put the my Instagram handle at the end. You know, so mm-hmm. they can reach out and talk to me through that. Get a lot oh, of people cool. asking for like investments. Like, oh, I feel uh, really big about vintage Star Wars. What do you think? Do you have any data that supports it? Right? Uh-huh. So it's like the community is giving back to me like even more than I thought I was. Right? It's hard to come up with whew, new analysis if you only have sales data, right? It's even yeah. harder like when we start doing stuff we're passionate about. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Game of Thrones. I've only done one Game of Thrones analysis, right? I did a I did a decision tree to predict your likelihood of survival. Oh in Jesus, West, that's in so West, funny. In Westeros, right? Oh, like variable man. variables I had in there were like, hey, are you a fan favorite? What's your gender? Which house are you in? Hey, which which season did you come up with? And so it was giving like, okay, here's your highest survival rate, here's your lowest survival rate. Mm-hmm. But that was like, hey, the one fun, cool thing I could think about doing with Game of Thrones. That that you is know? pretty cool. But that, now that's with really Pokemon, cool. yeah, Pokemon, people are feeding me ideas of what they want to see all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like just in your Discord channel, like, man, I wouldn't have thought to like, hey, check the accuracy of my forecast this soon, right? Uh huh. You know, but you had uh, what Connor suggested you support it. It's like okay, yeah, people do. It's nice to see those things. Do understand like, hey, forecast accuracy is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and and they would actually look at it, right? So that's oh, where it's coming sure. from, like the pop report, right? It wasn't my idea to look at it. I did the analysis, but I noticed a lot of people were starting to bring up, like, oh, they're concerned about modern pops, concerned about what this is going to do to Charizard. Um. There's one concern that <laughs> I don't want to act like the sky is falling, but you know, there's some ooh, collectors out there that hold at least 25% of the sealed vintage product out there. Yeah. And and I've seen them posting questions on like, should I open to grade? Should I open? 
Mm -hmm. They want to do like giveaways with it. And hey, right now, vintage pops in mint condition are are low, right? Yeah. Imagine if, you know, some of these, and I'll just call them like influencers in quotation marks, but, you know, they're just collectors. Decide on, wait, people are making a killing right now from grading cards and selling it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, why don't I just open up all the base I have on hand? <laughs> right. And then flip that if if you want. Yeah. It's like, heck, walk through with PSA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> let me go through PWCC. <laughs> and so. And overnight, like, hey, if you figure out your web scraping for the pop report, like you're going to catch it first, which is amazing. Once you implement that, right? Right. That'll be so <laughs> like, much fun. I'm so close. Like, like I don't think who your listeners realize like how great of a tool that could end up being, right? So let's say like I just told you like how I try to find investments, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's the prices of boxes? Oh, are people grading this? You know, but for me to get to that right now, that's manual effort. <laughs> right it's, i have to know it's a lot of work I'm looking for yeah i mean that i mean you could argue that hey yeah getting the ebay sales that would be great right but just knowing like where the market's moving to right so you're not having to ooh, what is it like listen to like a sports card podcast and they're all of a sudden big on harry potter out of nowhere and then they're right. driving up Harry Potter, or it's like, oh, Elon Musk is going to tweet something. Justin Bieber showed off his Pokemon collection. <laughs> or Travis Scott's really into Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure when they're doing posts like that, or when, like, hey, the Gary Vee of the world, you know, and all of his minions... <laughs> are like talking about like hey pikachu can't tear his acl you know he's probably got it already lined up graded back from psa yeah or he has a whole bunch of sealed on hand Mm -hmm. right like people who have made it to like such a high pantheon in (laughs) whatever we want to call it entrepreneurship right they're not going to talk big about something if they're not already fully invested in it, right? Yeah. Like whenever somebody I mean, asked me about, yeah. whenever somebody asked me about like Harry Potter, I'd tell them like, I think it's a good thing to invest in. I don't know enough about it. I don't have any personally. Like I joke with Connor. On oh his yeah. Page, I was like, because he answered uh, one of my questions. I think on the story, yeah about like the harry potter he has and i was like yeah really happy for you man <laughs> yeah he 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 looked like, out on that for sure yeah, yeah and he like, was just buying something that he wanted you know it which is why yeah. it goes back to it you just buy stuff that you want first yeah so yeah. like you your product could you know eventually add like the much needed like integrity around the hobby right like if it's used correctly like mm-hmm. let's say like Logan Paul goes silent again. <laughs> it's like, oh no, the hobby's gonna 
die or whatever go back to it's crashing and all of a sudden you notice fossil is getting graded crazy right like what what happened to the fossil pops Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden a couple months down the road logan paul has a video where it's like i have mastered the base set but what was next i thought hard and long how do i not price myself out of it Ooh, there are other first editions and he has like a bunch of like specialists and gurus around him Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this this dragonite right here (laughs) right imagine if charizard didn't have all of his awful typing advantages Oh man, I mean that—that's part of the reason why I definitely want yeah. to to yeah. build it is just to just to see those trends, yeah. just to you know, yeah. like how fast is something going for this time frame, and, and and to kind of indicate a little bit, you know, back to the price. Am I, yeah. you know, how much how much money do I want to put into a car that I see is growing pretty fast, or in a set that's growing pretty fast, like right now at this moment, you know, maybe yeah. that's something to be like oh, hold up, these prices, like the market doesn't know yet. These cards probably hasn't hit the market yet, but these cards are going to drop, you know, possibly. I mean, when I say like, hey, I hopefully they use your tool correctly, right? Mm Because even the pop report, it's not sales. Um, It doesn't mean someone's going to sell it, right? Like if I look at the set I collect with my daughter, right? Uh, Disney Impel 1990 <laughs> Disney collectors, right? I know the prices on eBay of the sealed boxes like skyrocketed from a month of when I bought it for $20. And mm-hmm. we've been opening up the packs together and it's been a lot of fun. And then I check like the pop report and only like three cards have been graded ever. Yeah, you know, for the people whole- <laughs> buying out those boxes, I'd assume you'd probably see the pop jump up like a year from now mm-hmm. but i don't know how many of those are like hey situations like me and natasha right like yeah. what would be cool if i could get her like hey a jim jim and 10 mickey like mickey's mm-hmm. her favorite <laughs> and call it like hey the mickey rookie card <laughs> well right? you... i don't know how much of that happens right yeah and and i think like you know, another thing too is, is we're, we're obviously going to see huge changes in the population rates over the next two years as people get their cards back. And so, you know, the theory out there is like, okay, well, how many of those are people sending in cards that thought that they, that their card was, you know, a mid card, but it was probably a light play or moderate play. Um, You know, what, what parts what what parts of the population reports change is also really important too and you know from just a just the grade itself i know right now i'm only really caring about the tens because right now really the only i mean i you know i always worry about people that open up nines you know so i guess <laughs> nines is definitely not a number that i trust yeah, uh, but tens I definitely trust. Um, so right now I'm only looking at tens, um, just to you know, just to get a get a feel for that. Like how many tens are being printed, how fast they're being printed, uh, being printed. Listen to me, getting graded. <laughs> um, you know, because because I could see those yeah. pops depending on what it is, you know, uh, grow yeah. faster in some pers- respect because those are typically well, better I mean, cards and express. 
although it was like just a slip of miswording, right? Printed, like I'm pretty sure like on Etsy, people are like selling what is it like PSA? The like cases printing so you can throw it in. Yeah, that, like really I've seen worries it. That me. That really pisses me off. <laughs> like if I was to put two and two together, right? Like mm-hmm. why are proxy Charizard selling at high prices? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think it's hand in hand and it's scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean like on the one hand, like I uh I trolled uh CGC today on their post and uh, nobody like knew I was trolling. Right. Uh they they introduced like, hey, guess what? We grade Chinese cards too. Oh and they were talking about it. So I commented on it like, Oh, do you guys also grade Korean cards? And so everyone, like, in the chat discussion thought I was naming, like, hey, base, like, real Korean cards. Mm-hmm. I was actually joking about, like, the English prints from, <laughs> from Korea yeah. that yeah. I know they've, they've sent back to me as not authentic, and I appreciate that from them. Like, I mm-hmm. didn't realize it wasn't authentic. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, just a little dinged up because it was from one of the decks I played with. Uh-huh. and then like looking and at it, it end up hand being... in hand I'm just like oh man yeah they're, they're right <laughs> but like they're I think their post is like blowing up because everyone's like oh I'm so excited I got a bunch of Korean cards here and there <laughs> <laughs> like uh-huh. I, and I don't want to like break their hearts and be like oh and get blocked yeah. by CGC <laughs> yeah yeah no we don't want that <laughs> like I'm talking about the proxies <laughs> yeah there are a lot of those out there yeah but yeah you know we've been on this is going on for about two hours so this was a long one i would definitely say um we might have to cut this one because my internet has been a little bit iffy but we'll have to get on again to talk about um just continue to talk about like data science and pokemon and and where things can go and factor it in that'd be really fun yeah, I mean, um, I think what would be fun is like, you know, whew, I'm sure people reach out to you all the time. Like maybe if one of your listener, listeners can give you something like a question they have, see oh, like yeah. what we can build like on the fly, like solution it. Right? Ooh, that would be very yeah. session. I am down. Yeah, and I, I promise it won't that. be so science project-y. <laughs> <laughs> i gotcha i gotcha yeah we'll we'll have to do that let's 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 uh we'll schedule something that'll be very fun um but yeah i mean i guess in the meantime can you let everyone know where they can find you yeah yeah i mean the most responsive i'm on is uh instagram right so it's a pancake underscore analytics uh let me explain that name (laughs) for a little bit real quick (laughs) sure so like yeah hey i love pancakes but it really comes from comics and anime right Mm -hmm. so just if you're listening to this google pancakes marvel pancakes pokemon like pancakes are in there everywhere like uh there's one of my favorite panels is deadpool making like thousands of pancakes Uh (laughs) uh-huh that'll pop up in your search You'll find a panel where uh, Black Widow and the Winter Soldier bet on who pays for breakfast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Winter Soldier won and he tells her, like, you're making me pancakes. 
and then of course the great pancake race from Pokemon. Uh huh. Oh, for yeah. sure. So that that's where it comes from. It has a Comic Con name. I like it though. I yeah, like it's it. It's been great. It's been great, Jeff. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And and let's do this again, and and we'll keep in touch. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a good All day. Right.